right and the left. That's correct. You are. Because you're living on a line. It's a linear expansion in this direction and the other one. It has infinite length but infinitesimal gain. Timeline Only one dimension for you to meet your friends in meters on the line. On that note, there's an on that note kind of moment. The needle. The needle, yeah. There's been this uh, charade going on, going around, uh, involving RSS feeds. Yeah. We've been getting really bricked by whatever company is RSS or whatever it is. I don't fully understand what RSS is. No. But it's bricking us. Yeah, it's really killing me. So they didn't, here's, so, because we have so many fans, nobody notices when an episode doesn't come out on Wednesday. (laughs) So I got that episode up, believe it or not, I got that episode up early. And I was so proud. I was like, finally, this is done. I get this up. Good. And then on Thursday, I'm like, so what'd you think of the episode? The response is, oh, you released an episode? Right. I'm like, oh, fucking. I go into Podbean. It's sitting in there unreleased. Okay? Oh, wait. So it, I, it it just never released. Well, here's – I'm getting to it. It's This is what – so f- feel me. Feel where I'm about to come from. I click the little Podbean icon for this episode or the la- the last episode – and it opens up to that page where you can put the bio and stuff in. Yeah. And I see in the in the automatic post uh, uh, thing where you can just select it to post in the future. Yeah, the It's at the right time. <laughs> it, it's sitting there from fucking Wednesday. It says it on the thing. It says this was supposed to come out on Wednesday at noon. So I go, well, I don't know what's going on. So I'm going to click send. <laughs> Let's just push that one out there, right? So I hit send, and then I'm like, I don't fucking trust this. I'm going to re-upload it. So then I re-upload it, and I set it to send. And, of course, it also sends. Now now there's two episodes of the same kind yeah, sitting on the Spotify. When moments ago, there was none. Yeah. We look like a fucking joke. Car. Because of RSS. Now, the interesting they thing... They made it, us look like a fucking joke. So now we need to turn our cannons away from the We need to blow listeners. up the Zencaster studio. Oh, well, wait. Who's responsible? I, our, the RSS company. <laughs> RSS Inc. We need to blow up a nondescript company. Yeah, protocol. <laughs> uh, it's weird because... So on Wednesday, I didn't say anything. I went directly to the website and listened to it. And I, and I checked... Right. To because it didn't populate in my Podbean, and if you remember, I had the same, I had virtually the same issue with the Signal episode on the Friday right. prior. Yes. Well, so I didn't say anything because it's the, the I guess it it just populates for some people and populates for doesn't and it populates later for other people. So I was like, oh, it just it's a hasn't. mess. Yeah, it's a mess. So I went there and listened to it there, 
and didn't say anything. And the weird thing is it had downloads, but like 30, like 30 or 40 yes. downloads. So I like yeah. that's that may that's that's an even more bizarre piece of the puzzle that may, doesn't make sense. I guess maybe if people There's actually 77 other people who go directly to the web psychos. Yeah. Yeah. Who go psychos. directly to the website. <laughs> that to listen to listen. it in browser. Yeah. In browser. Uh, so, yeah, I have no idea what's going on, but uh, I don't either. And then the fucking Patreon thing is even worse, of course. Yeah. They're the Patreon episodes was like somebody logged into Patreon. And they were like, oh, hey, you guys have no episodes accessible. And we were like, wow, that's pretty nuts. That's yeah. wild. Yeah, these services are just. And they fucking piss me off, man. It's not good, dude. Not fucking good, dude. Not good at all. It's a bad start to a to a week. Um, I don't know what you got there on on your on your list there. I, I fuck Podbean was my number one topic. <laughs> Yeah. Had to get that anger out. Um, topic number two is about a walrus. So you let me know where on your priority list we're at. Uh, we can go walrus now. Um, I have a few things, but they're not really bullet point things. Uh, you know, so um, I'm, I'm willing to, uh, you know, get into walrus, kick it off with walrus and see, see where it goes. I've got one really interesting thing. Uh, and then the rest is just kind of whatever, you know. Just stuff going on. There was a walrus in Norway who was attacking people, and they shot it to death. What? There's a walrus, right? It was named Freya. And it, there's, I don't know what the, the name of the body of water, that the thing, Oslo, the fjords of Oslo, mm -hmm. a city of 1.6 million people. Wow, that's big. Two skulking the fjords of oslo <laughs> there was freya the walrus okay who attacked people this walrus i'm reading about this story and i'm stunned the walrus comes upon people and ch and wo whoops and starts to challenge them uh, so they shot it to death they killed it the fish and game people killed it they had a they had public broadcasters go out there uh, because here's the thing. Dis the walrus, despite the fact that it attacked a lot of residents, they loved it. It was yeah. a pet. You know, it was a sort of a, a myth of in Oslo. Could you say they people had loved it? Stockholm syndrome. So they, so the walrus, <laughs> it got into the fisheries. Oh, boy. Okay. This was what they were afraid of. Mm. This walrus wrecks hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of fish. <laughs> Just tanks the fish. Wow. I, I'm reading this story. And I'm, I'm stunned. The director of the fisheries of Norway. Just furious. Ordered an assessment to the threat of humanity <laughs> after the public ignored warnings not to get too close to the creature. Because, <laughs> you know, they're going up to it and they're taking photographs with it and stuff. Freya, this walrus who has just engorged itself on uh, two or three tons of fish, probably. <laughs> So people are getting attacked by it. Like, it, it, it goes to, hey, you want a selfie? And then it 
you know, barks and smacks you in the head. You is know that... how they fight, right? Walry, you know how those no, things I, fight? I don't. They, they fucking bu- belly bounce. They belly bounce and they gore one another with their horns. Wow, that's okay, probably... Okay, so this, yeah. this bad Maya Majama was belly bouncing like pregnant women... And children seeking out the the most uh, the, the least defended of, of of the community, just all the, the the soft targets, the women and children. Now, Carcambit, these creatures are pescovores. Okay, they only eat fish. All right, they don't eat meat. Right, they don't they don't sit down and they eat up a hot pocket either. It's a fish all day. Do you know what's not a fish? Uh, a small pre- child who yeah. was hospitalized <laughs> after it went to go and try and take a selfie with the walrus. So, in other words, what you're saying is there was no reason to attack these women and children outside of just pure malice. The creature was perpetuated by satanic means. Okay, I believe in the in the deep in the in the deep in the fjords of Oslo. I believe there's some shit going on. Forged in the fjords <laughs> of Oslo. This has all the trappings of like a Dragon Force song. You can believe I'm reading this article and I'm like, thank you, whoever wrote this. It's yeah. it's right here for TLE. They got a zoologist whose name is Per Espenfeld, which <laughs> which is which is by the way three names and not one name. Per Espenfeld. Uh, okay. He told the journal, uh, the journal v- VG, a, a life, a, a, a fisheries and, and life journal. Um, he said on Monday, it was obvious that Freya would have to be put down eventually. The decision was entirely justifiable and had no consequences for the future of the overall species. <laughs> Really, okay, so they got zoologists against the thing. Chiming in. Uh... They have zoology. They got everybody. So there's also Christian Steele, a member of the environmental group Sabima. He, he told the news that the directorate, he demanded they release full documentation on who took the decision to euthanize Freya. And on the on what grounds they made such decision, they're going to take the fisheries and the game department to court over this. These guys. So you have a budding political conflict over a, a large murderous seal. But the overall reality is the killing of the one animal has no effect on the overall species, which that's the Bambi effect. So what if they shot Bambi? Who gives a fuck? Okay. Doesn't matter. There's other deer. There's right. other walry who are out there fucking attacking people. So this is the thing. How do you feel about that? Because on the one hand, the walrus attacking people is very cool. Yeah. And there isn't really another hand. Yeah. It sounds like we everybody lost that day that we lost Freya. Why couldn't they have applied Freya's need to fight shit to perhaps, you know, our enemies? Uh, or even simpler, just set up a camera behind a paywall and just start making money for Norway. Yeah, they don't make a lot of fucking money, do they, right? out there? Yeah. Ma- what I are mean, they doing dude, out there? Pff, fucking not making kroner, I can tell you that. 
<laughs> yeah, they don't make kroner. That's that's they don't make any kroners at all. Dude, I would pay I would pay money. I would set up a separate TV if I could pay money to like tune in to see a walrus, a walrus. maybe attacking children. Yeah, like you just get one guy with a camera kind of following around, right? Mm-hmm. And then yeah, maybe once a week the thing just some idiot is like, "Hey, let's take a selfie." And it, you know, belly bumped and down into the fucking fjords and into you die. Fjords. And and yeah. furthermore, this is going to publicize it, so that'll get us more people interacting with this uh, you know, aggressive walrus and I think that's again a, a, another win. Yeah, I well, it can't be anything other than a win. Right. It's uh it's pretty much great for everyone. You know, I guess the thing was, so it got into the the creature after it gets into the the, the walrus, after it gets into the fishery and it wrecks, again, I'm talking middle six digits worth of uh, uh, fish. There's hundreds of thousands of fish probably destroyed. Wow. Okay? Hundreds of thousands. Um, This thing gets out again. Right, so this is a. T- I don't know how long this sequence took place, okay. But after it, it cl- clears out the fishery, and they're probably calling and going, "What are we going to do about this fucking walrus?" Everybody, the thing manages to get out of the fishery into Oslo, um, the fjords of Oslo, as we were saying, a, a an area which is vacationed upon. Each year by 1.6 million people. Okay, it's a giant vacation destination, and now is one of the times. This fucking walrus makes a beeline for the shores. Okay, so it gets out of the fishery into the fjords down to the shores where it sees its next victim. I, I don't know who. It goes down there. It starts attacking people. It climb. They got a picture of this. It's astonishing. It climbs onto the top of somebody's boat, and they shoot it. Dead. Goodness gracious. And the fucking thing. I don't know if it fell into the ocean or not. I just saw the photo. That's the fucking story of Freya, the euthanized walrus. Quite that's a, a that's an everyday problem in Europe. <sighs> this was report. You understand? This was reported upon as everyday news. <laughs> <laughs> Just, we got another one. I saw this crop up on my timeline on like I don't know like Oslo Weekly. Like it was a little news outlet. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, just just envision this. You've got the uh, president or prime minister of Norway. What do they have? I have no idea. Fjordbjörd. Fjordbjörd yeah. is in his office. Yeah. He's got, you know, some middling world leaders in there. Uh, yeah. And, you know, he, he's he's been trying to get Norway onto the map. He's been trying to be a part of discussions that are bigger than the region yep. of, of Northern Europe. Uh, discussing issues, uh, Iran, uh, nuclear proliferation. Yeah, exactly. Uh, big things. Big, big items. Shipping Heady lanes. topics. Heady yep. topics he's trying to discuss uh, and climb climb the ladder, and he gets an urgent call that he takes on speaker, and it's regarding 
Freya, the the walrus. That's got to be really embarrassing. Can you imagine? Well, and here's the deal. I, you asked me who the prime minister of Norway was, mm-hmm. and I'm just recognizing the name here. Jonas Gar Stur, I believe is his name, which sounds like a spell. He's involved in the news story. Was he the one? He that... was. He's one of the guys who had to approve of the killing of the creature. Oh, man. Well, he's you in know, the they fucking are, news story. He is pretty important. Listen, before we get on to this, and just do me a favor and tr- um, write down the time of, you know, whenever the following thing ha- is about to happen, please, because I'm going to be reading. Here's some names of some other longest serving prime ministers of Norway, uh, of which Jonas Garstur is one. He's, he's a long serving guy. The longest serving prime minister from the Labour Party in Norway, his name is Einar Gerhardsen. Okay, it gets worse. Number two, Johan Bald. No, 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 no. I'm not fucking kidding, dude. I'm going to do a lot of beeping on this one. There's... And then there's another guy named Gunnar Knudsen. What is that? <laughs> Whoa, there's a guy named Johan Mowinkle. Jesus. What are these people? <laughs> it's really going to be an uphill climb for Norway to get on can the map. You, really? Can you believe they chose the walrus over any, just any name on this list? <laughs> they, I can't believe that they, they, they were like, we got to kill the walrus so we can save Gunnar Nerdson. <laughs> so they, these are the, this is the situation going on in Norway right now. It's a national tragedy as far as I'm fucking concerned. Um... But yeah, that was my opening story. So I'm sorry if I like, you know, took the took the tone down here, Carr. Well, we'll lift it back up. Uh, I have an interesting little news piece, and 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 cards on the table. I uh, the elf forwarded this to me this morning, and I okay. uh, I had planned to spend five minutes catching up on the topic, and then it, I quickly found out that I that that five minutes can is is not is not nearly enough. Okay, I wonder if so, this is going to be what I think it is. Um, Myanmar? No. Oh, okay. So you know the currencies there is called the ringgit. <laughs> no, that was a wasn't that Sri Lanka? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah. So uh, she forwarded me this TikTok video. Right, you're familiar with the the. Uh, Chinese uh, social sculpting app. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, she forwarded me a TikTok video where a woman is explaining the reason why the meme uh, of Karen came to be in the United States. You're familiar with the meme Karen, uh, the, like a, the a name man- and such. Yes, yeah, the, the man- managerial tattletale. Uh, yeah, yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Short Bob haircut. Yes. Um, well, that came about, if you recall, probably around 2020 or 2021. Do you do you remember that? Is that does that seem accurate? That seems like I've been as t- t- very tired about it for about that long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, what's interesting is there is actually a uh, to describe them as a state. I think would be perhaps a stretch, maybe more of a irregular uh, autonomous zone backed by a paramilitary. Um. But the Karen state is a breakaway state in the country of Myanmar. You may recall it used to be called Burma. Okay, yeah. Well, 
I started looking into this, and again, I was going to scan Wikipedia. Uh, How do you the- turn this into a story for the show? I'm, I'm, I'm on my, I'm on the edge of my seat. Yeah. So uh, again, I was gonna, I was, I figured, you know, I could just flip through Wikipedia in two or three minutes, uh, make up the rest, and I'd have a story for you. Unfortunately, it looks like there's about 9.7 million different breakaway states involved in this thing, and so I have <laughs> absolutely no idea what's going on. Wow. I. I think the the summary of it appears to be your classic setup of some sort of breakaway state that turns into a proxy war by fighting another breakaway state, each of which is backed by a superpower. And I think Aaron is doing all this. Yeah, wow. well, there's they're doing some of it, and there's a n- number of other breakaway states. But I guess Chad. this whole well, Chad's a little bit. Uh, that's that's a little bit further away. But that's right. That is a country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, the I guess they've been in an open civil war since 1949, which I did not know. Let's um, go. Okay. Yeah, I think it's the longest running civil war, uh, current civil war, maybe maybe. Ever. 1949 was two years after um, Hitler became a bad guy, or when? Yeah, what was the yeah. Two calendar two, Aaron gave to us yes, the other two, day. Two years after Hitler became a bad guy, I believe, and, it was, and yeah. also when John Oblowski uh, returned to, or, or took out a, a library book on the the uh, newly freshly minted bad guy guys um, uh, cut from similar cloth. Yeah, yeah. So. I, so the the conspiracy theory is that the Karen meme existed uh, in order to suppress search results when people were trying to figure out what's happening in Myanmar. <laughs> now, I think this has one big Why flaw. Why did I know that? I knew I was about to say, is this where it's going? I, I think it oh, has shit. one big flaw in that nobody in America knows what Myanmar is, except for out of the Seinfeld reference. I, I was literally, I was going to say, besides the Seinfeld reference, I think we were the piece of media that next mentioned Myanmar. Yeah, right. <laughs> nobody between us and Jerry Seinfeld have ever mentioned about it. That. Yeah, Jay Peterman. Nobody knows why everybody got, like, nobody knows why. When you talk about that place, everybody goes. We're talking about Myanmar. It used to be called Burma. Burma, yeah. Like, and everybody says that constantly. It's because every time you see that name Myanmar, it, there's a like almost like it's a legal thing. You have. There's to. a parenthesis next to it that says, Burma. you know, it used to be called Burma. Yes, yes. It's called and, Burma. and and it probably is the solitary reference to Myanmar in American pop culture. So, yeah, certainly that's gotten yeah yeah in pop culture certainly yeah yeah. Breaking, so breaking ground. Yeah. Anyway, I, I thought I that assume was this is a very violent uh, war motivated by religion, perhaps. Uh, yeah, but that's only part of it. I mean, I'm telling you, I was scrolling the Wikipedia thing, and I, I mean, I was crestfallen. I, I was like, this is there. It's there's too many groups here. It's just too many. I, it's too many to understand, but yeah, certainly there's some religious aspects to it. Do we got to send some people in there to maybe build skyscrapers? Uh, yeah, that'll probably help. Maybe build some that'll abandoned schools out. and bomb some bridges. Yeah. And yeah, well, the good thing about the abandoned schools is that it provides a place for the fake weapons uh, uh, storage systems that they, we always say exist to be yes. put. Yeah, so that we can ideally... blow those buildings up for TV and nobody gets hurt, so we don't break any diplomatic boundaries. Uh huh. Bury the weapons underneath the soccer field adjacent. Yeah. A lot of abandoned uh, delicatessens in Syria, yeah. everybody. So, anyway, I thought that was pretty interesting. Anyway, 
Yeah, very interesting, actually. I, 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 I there's a got to be like three or four genocides going on in that area, right? Easy, something like that. Easy. Easily, right? Yeah. Lots of gens being osided yep. uh, in that part of the world. Yeah, which sucks. Um, uh, so let's move on to another topic uh, because that sucks and it's very sad. Um, I got a couple of things here. Um, my main topic, I'm going to kind of hold off on for a moment here. Uh, because, well, mainly because I, the main topic is going to take us some time to get through. I told you to get excited, Car. I told you I had a game for us, uh, and a game I have. Uh, but before we get to the game, let me see if I can pull up my notepad. This is a weird one, and this is a semi-serious one. So, you know, how sure are you that Donald Trump, you know, our, our guy, Donald Trump is going to become the president of the United States. Uh, 100%. You're 100% sure of this. Thanks you for the bit. That's really good. Well, what if I told you, or, or let me phrase this as a question, not a rhetorical one. You can take a guess if you'd like. What is the number one factor in getting somebody elected? I would have said votes before 2020 when it was obviously stolen from our boy, Donald J. Trump. Our so boy. It's not, it's not votes. Or, um, well, it could be votes if you do what the Democrats do to get votes. Yes. Uh, okay. Dead voters. That's really interesting. No, you buy them. Okay. Buy yeah. voters, right? Money, right? Money is how people get elected, right? Run an advertisement where you're a black guy in Georgia and you're killing Klan members who are modern supposed to be represented by modern day Democrats. Right. And then you sell big. Um, you can do a advertisement where you burst into a smoky abandoned house surrounded by SWAT members. And you say, we're going to kill all these rhinos. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you can do a lot of cool political advertisements, lucrative well, schemes, lucrative schemes. But, but the point is money rules the game here. Right. So fundraising is probably something you have to look at and go, okay, whoever's got more funds, they got a better chance. Now, this isn't always the case, but it's generally going to be the case when you're talking about, like, Congress. Mm -hmm. um, whoever's just showing up on TV more, <laughs> good chance. Good chance. GOP is getting killed in fundraising. Huh. Um, I'm, I, we're talking, like, by a couple hundred million dollars. Oh, my God. Where? They're getting killed in federal, like, national fundraising. Wow. Now, they are getting slaughtered, and it's not looking good. So the chances of uh, the Republicans taking the Senate, which is what they would need to take, they're probably going to retain the House. Chances of them taking the Senate by, by dollars in fundraising alone is looking bad. Not good. So it all depends on if you're in a swing state or not, really. I mean, most people are pretty set in their ways. But here's the weird thing. Not everybody in the GOP structures fundraising sucks. Our boy, Donald J. Trump, after the Mar-a-Lago raid, his super PAC. One million dollars in donations a day. Oh my God. Since that day. So that backfired. 
it backfired. That's the point. Exactly. Wow. It was a huge financial backfire. It didn't sway anybody's opinion who's voting Republican. Of course not. It didn't sway anybody's opinion who's voting Democrat. And and that's not, you know, in the ideal way, I guess the FBI's job is not to sway political opinion. So good on you. Yeah, they did did their job. (laughs) You didn't. Yeah. And they took files out that the part of the country. Here's here's the breakdown as far as I've seen it. The breakdown goes Trump is innocent or Trump is guilty. Why is Trump guilty? Because the documents are classified information being stored outside of the places that they're allowed to be. The Republican response, Donald J. Trump is the final source of declassification. What he says gets declassified gets declassified. He's got all the power over classification. So you see how these two arguments, they don't actually address one another. Yes, they're orthogonal. Yeah, beautiful. Did he or did he not have the documents in places they shouldn't be is one part of the question. And then the other one is, in the future, should it be the case that the president can do what he wants with his documents? Mm -hmm. And so that's where we're at with that, right? But the guy's pulling in a million dollars a day. A day. Yeah. And and I pulled this news story today, and that happened on Tuesday. So that's seven de- seven million dollars. A good cool seven million dollars to the super PAC. So that part of it is gonna work. Now the other weird thing is Trump has stopped endorsing people. There's a okay. couple of elections coming up, and other than the people who he's committed to, you know, for a little while. He's not endorsing candidates now. Why is that? I think he's afraid. I that think because he endorsed a couple of people who are not going to make it. Uh, so he's afraid of his image if they don't win? You know how Conor McGregor was going around and talking a bunch of shit and knocking a lot of people out? And everybody was like, when is Conor McGregor going to be stopped? And he had that energy. And yeah. then he got knocked out and he's been knocked out ever since. Yes. He lost it. Donald Trump is trying to keep that mysterious dick energy. Okay. He's got an energy, a phallic energy uh, of charisma, and he's trying to hold on to it as hard as he can. So now he's not giving up the goods anymore. That Um, makes sense. So this is where we're at. And I'm becoming, I think you can literally three episodes ago, my opinion was Donald Trump's taking it 100%. The Democratic Party is going to fall apart. Now yeah. my now my take three weeks later is I'm not even sure if at this point Donald Trump is going to be like accepted by the Republican Party establishment this time. Oof. I mean, he'll still run and he's still going to get the votes. But I thought like, again, like two or three weeks ago, if you were to look at the Republican Party, you'd be like, oh, they're starting to align around Trump. It seems like like during his career as the president, the Republican Party was like, eh. Maybe. Okay, we'll go along with it. We'll go along with it. Now everybody's super Trump. And I'm just not sure anymore. So that anyway, that's what I had noticed. Yeah, that's interesting because I could have and I don't really follow this stuff super closely. But yeah, what you said two, three weeks ago, I thought it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that the Republicans were going to take the House and the Senate or retain the House or whatever. I was convinced of, Carr. I was convinced of it. I don't know now. Um, If I were Trump, I would simply make a habit of muttering, 
I'm declassifying this every time I left the White House grounds, even if I didn't have anything in my hands. Hey, everybody. And he grabs his crotch. Declassify this. Declassified. <laughs> De- <laughs> it's declassified now. Yes, I did photo. Do you think a president would get impeached for photo- photocopying his dick and sending it to somebody? God, I, I hope not. That feels like something that you should be able to do. As the president of the United States. As anyone, really. Because that guy being in the White House is the guy who makes that happen. Yeah. He's the guy who pulls out his little, you know, set. And it's not a, again, it's not an impressive set, but it's a set nonetheless. Flops it onto the the, the, the printer and goes over with the light. And he sends it out to everyone. They're calling it fact sticking. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm fact sticking. Fact sticking is now legal. Also, this Steve, is all declassified. Steve, Steve Bannon gets on War Room. He's like, "You see Donald Trump? He's fax maxing. <laughs> He's fax maxing. You said there's a fax machine in the background that's uh, spitting out pages. <laughs> if you're maxing. if you support Donald Trump and you support MAGA, then you have to fax your dick to to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, Steve O uh, endorsed. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Steve O from oh, no Steve O Bannon. Oh, his middle name is his middle name is O. <laughs> Steve O. Steve O Bannon. He 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 uh he said Marjorie Taylor Greene. You know our girl. MGT. Uh, MTG. MGT. MTG. You're right. MTG. She should be the next Speaker of the House. Okay. Taking Man, that would be a Pelosi trip. Spot, huh? That'd be a trip. How good would that be? Yeah, so good. That would be I, a lot dude, of I get a lot of energy watching this woman because I don't know at what moment she's gonna say like Christ is coming to kick this guy's ass. Yeah, like she she's she really she just seems like such a ride or die. Oh my god, yeah, dude. Ever since I saw her doing those crazy pull ups that one time on that one video, I've been just all in, all on board. I she's you know. well, she's an athletic lady. Yeah, she was. I think our she was our fascination, if you will. After we kind of got, you know, away from, well, our general fascination with the the, the, the lady who ran for president, uh, the crazy lady who saw, like, the stars and they spoke to her. Oh, what yeah. What was her name? Uh, Rocks and stuff. Marianne. Spiritual rock talking. Marianne. 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 Williams? Williamson. Williamson? Marianne Williamson. Yeah, there you go. I think Marjorie Taylor Greene has become our muse. Man, the I shows hope so. the show Muse, dude. She's she's she, could, she she's unpredictable. I mean, she's she's, she's you, a wild, <laughs> real wild card. Because with Marianne, you you always kind of knew where the the conversation was going to go. But with uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, it's like you are four words away from her blaming the Jews for something. Well, she has. Yeah, I know. Do you remember when she said they had space lasers? Yes. Yeah. 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 Which. You know, jury's yeah, out, but yeah. <laughs> it tracks. I mean, just you know, saying. Right. I mean, we don't have the evidence we would need to make that claim. <laughs> I in don't. A I don't know that they don't have them. All that. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, yeah, I'm agnostic. I'm Jew yeah, laser yeah, I'm, agnostic. I'm Jew laser agnostic. Really, yeah. Yeah, I don't particularly have a, an opinion one way or another. But. So the, here's here's my next story. This one is a, an interesting one. There's a lot of intrigue going on. Mar-a-Lago got raided. It was a raid, ladies and gentlemen, of nine hours. 30 agents patrolled the facility. Um, the uh, If you'll remember for me, Carr, do you remember the 
Russian collusion scandal. Sure do. 2016 to 2018, RIP. Yeah, yeah, basically. There was the investigation. Uh, Apparently it was named Crossfire Hurricane was the name of the organization. (laughs) Right. So That was the operation, the... uh, Operation Crossfire. Tech nerds, yeah. Well, it's it was code, yeah, code name. Code name. Hurricane. Who who adds the hurricane after already having crossfire? Like somebody's like, well, yeah, they probably let's got call a it... bunch of crossfires. Oh, okay. That's probably like crossfire. Co- crossfire. Tornado. Ground Cro- Zero. Yeah. Crossfire. Freya. Nuclear bomb. Crossfire walrus. Yeah. That was also an FBI op. <laughs> Angry it walrus. They were they, it was to, original in, walrus. In beta, it was called a- Operation Angry Walrus, but it was too obvious. So in case in case Trump got frisky and declassified anything, they needed to rename it. In a in a really in a way you could really tie it back by a thread. Uh, the the assassination of Freya ties all the way back to the Syrian civil war. Yeah, that's the Scarlet so, Thread, folks. The Scarlet Thread is all I there. think Paz said he's going to actually have an episode coming up on that uh, shortly. Fuck yeah, so. well, yeah, well, by the way, uh, immediately after this episode on the Patreon, there will be an episode about fish. Cool. Did a fishing episode, so that'll come out. Um, Crossfire Hurricane had several key divisions, lots of members, so, like, I don't know. doesn't say how many members. Supervisory intelligence analyst Brian Auten is the name that I want you to focus on. So uh, before we focus on Brian Auten, actually, let's go to Judge Bruce Reinhardt. Oh, I recognize Judge that Bruce Reinhardt is the guy who was contacted to serve uh, or to, rather to um, to sign for the warrant uh, yes. to raid Mar-a-Lago. Right. We all heard he was an Epstein guy, right? So they got an Epstein guy in there. He defended Epstein in Miami. Um, now let's get on to Brian Auten. Uh, he is involved. A key member of the crossfire team, Brian Auten is currently involved in politically sensitive investigations, including an ongoing federal probe of potentially incriminating content found on the abandoned laptop of the president's son, Hunter Biden. Ooh, so he is now involved in the Hunter Biden uh, investigation. This guy served under Director Christopher Ray. If you'll remember Christopher Ray's name at all, it's because you'll remember him from being the guy who authorized, you know, the Steele dossier. Oh, that's right. Trump yeah. getting peed on and stuff like that. So that's <laughs> Christopher Ray. Well, Christopher Ray, before he retired or left the FBI directorship, he put Auten on this. Auten was on on that. He was on investigation. He was in the Russian collusion scandal. Auten was on the Hunter Biden investigation. And now Auten is on the Mar-a-Lago probe. Wow. He's currently leading the investigation. So this guy is leading three investigations that all revolve around Donald Trump. That's all the Trump news I got, but this guy is in fucking trouble, everybody. He's in a lot of trouble. You got Brian Auten, Christopher Ray, Merrick Garland, Bruce Reinhardt are kneecapping Donald Trump's legal team. I mean, they are taking people down. Like, his lawyers are dropping like flies. And, and this whole investigation is literally just another way to pull more people into court. So they are on full attack mode against this guy. Um, anyway, I thought that was interesting just to kind of wrap up the Trump skepticism episode of the show things are going 
politically very interesting, but pretty bad. Um, <clears throat> do you think there's any like political risk to, to, I mean, I mean, of course I'm sure there is political, there's always risk, but I mean, wh- what do you, what are your thoughts on, like, it felt like Trump kind of called their bluff on releasing some documents or something like that. I mean, wh- like, does Trump come out of this ahead or? Well, if you watch War Room, Steve Bannon believes Donald Trump's going to get elected. He's going to do just fine. If you don't watch War Room, you probably don't think that. Does that <laughs> does that does that explain that my my that take tracks, on that? Yeah. yeah, I think this guy's in a lot of fucking trouble. Uh, I I think he's in legal trouble. Not just he's not going to be able to run. I think he's in legal trouble. I think they fucking all that those bullshit years spent convincing the public of the weird things. This it's all going to just now be confirmed by like. Probably stuff they forged and cooked up. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be pretty legendary, dude. It'll be great for the show. That is good. Politics seems like a dirty game almost. Sure does. It sure yeah. does. Uh, I got, well, Carl, we got, we've gotten to an exciting moment here. I'm. That's all I had besides the game. What else do you have? And, and I guess let's see if you noticed anything that happened this week that has to do with my game. Any more stories? Um... Not anything that I feel has like moved the needle. Um, I I, th- I think I mentioned a, a while ago, maybe two or three episodes ago, that I've been kind of like in the Bitcoin world. There's been a lot of not just in the Bitcoin world, also in just kind of the Austrian economics world. There's been a lot of talk about um, <clears throat> the the federal the kind of coalitions forming. Um, I, I've been parsing my way through it. I want to make sure I really understand what the claim here is or what the theory here is. But I I tracked down who I believe to be the source of this, and it's Tom Luongo, um, uh, who has been developing this theory. And By the I, I way, list- that doesn't sound like a real name at all. Okay. Uh, yeah, That's, yeah. We always do that be. thing where the names don't sound real. Yeah, just saying. Yeah, okay. Well, um, it is real. He's real as far as I can tell. And uh, – We've hugged. We've had a great time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, He has been talking about how. So I guess you you may recall at the beginning of the year, I I felt as though the Federal Reserve was going to raise rates and they were going to just to get some wiggle room and then slam them back down. And they've done nothing but raise rates. So I was wrong. And I've been kind of this has been this this is kind of what I've been. um, I've been searching for why. And this is an answer. I don't know if it's the right answer, but it's an interesting one. And I'll summarize it. But I I, I was searching around for episodes where Tom Luongo uh, kind of went into it. Now, he has a frantic um, podcasting style. It's very similar (laughs) to Scott Horton, who I love. But sometimes it's very difficult to keep up because like... a bunch of information. You guys have been watching for a thousand or so episodes. Yeah, to yeah, to like understand how the, he talks, the, and like the, the yeah. cadence. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and and you know gets very heated uh, at times, and you know passionate. You know, it's, I'm not I'm not faulting the guy at all, um, but you know it, at times it can become difficult to track. Um, he has been working on this theory that more or less. Um, I'm going to try to figure out how to simplify this because it, 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 it if you want to talk about a scarlet thread. This really does. This really does seem to dive deep, especially historically. But his feeling is that um, uh, there are more or less coalitions forming as we you know, as we all have kind of known 
One of those coalitions is what he refers to as the Davos group. Um, and that is, do you remember the, that they have that like yearly meeting in Davos, Switzerland, oh, and it's like the world yes. economic forum and all that. So basically the Davos we were group were invited is, last year. Yeah. Yeah. We couldn't go. I think we had like a birthday party or something like that. But so his, his contention is that this group and who all it includes specifically, I mean, there's a couple major players that are pretty obvious, um, but it's largely kind of European oligarchs, um, uh, the European central bank, uh, you know, uh, most of the country's uh, leadership that comprise the European Union, um, and the, and and the, I, you, you know the the people that Alex Jones would refer to as like the globalists. Yeah, uh, absolutely, sure, yeah. So th- his contention, among other things, is that they have been trying to more or less tear down the United States um, in order to bring them underneath their umbrella as they release, among other things, you know, a bunch of political agendas, but also central bank digital currencies. These these Europeans are trying to do what China is also trying to do to us. It's interesting because I don't think so, or at least that's not the way he sees it. And I'm starting to kind of come around to that. Um, I think that China wants a bigger, they want a bigger seat at the table, but I don't think they necessarily, I don't think it would serve them to tear us down. Um, they, they, they want to oppose us. They want to uh, exert their, their geopolitical might. They probably want their money and debt back too. Yeah. yeah and they may want that, <laughs> but they, I think that they're, that they want to, uh, just get out from under the thumb of what, if you hear him t- tell it could actually be the Davos group acting through the United States as a proxy, oh, because to hear okay. him tell it, he's, he thinks that basically our government um, has been essentially still been owned by these people. Um, and that actually kind of tracks with if you, you know, how you, you always hear how we financed Hitler and stuff like that, where all of these oligarchs have actually been puppeteering a bunch of uh, banking interests and stuff like that in America in order to cover, you know, various uh, global actions. Um, so you have the Davos group, then you have, and and I'm I, and I'm probably are adding some things that he's not speaking to, so I don't want to put words in his mouth because I've been kind of toying around with it in my brain. But um, then you have the over here. You could say that the government has essentially been captured. The government that you and I see and know, you know, like Biden and 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 these institutions, the CDC, etc. And Even I don't our think boy. Uh, no, I don't think so. And I think that's kind of why they needed him okay. out. And I don't know that our boy would necessarily not join up with them. Well, let's not get sidetracked there. But well, it depends if you have Saudi Arabia on a coalition. He'll join that. But yeah, yes, but ahead. but Saudi Arabia isn't not part of this coalition. And not, uh, not and yet. I'll get not yet and I'll get to why okay. uh in a, in a bit. Um not to say that they couldn't be or couldn't be bought out, but I don't believe that they are. Um that so then on on our shores, you kind of have the Federal Reserve, and then some commercial banks that are that don't want to be dissolved. They're basically fighting for their life. Now, the Federal Reserve is no friend to us, but um, just let's analyze the, the the global stage. They're kind of fighting for their life because if the Euro, the Davos group sort of takes over and enacts these global CBDCs, well, what happens to the Fed? They disappear. They don't. They no longer are needed, and they get subsumed. 
Um, that same thing happens to a number of commercial banks on Wall Street, right? They get cut out. So you have this sort of coalition forming between the Fed, a number of commercial banks on Wall Street, um, the Davos group over in Europe, and then all of their cronies, which does include several other commercial banks that are more friendly with them, um, you know, on Wall Street. Um, and then you have what you could refer to perhaps as the BRICS nations, which is your traditional sure. uh, China, Russia, India, um, you know, Brazil to an extent, South this Africa. This is the to third group. Kind of, but I don't think that they're really they got very a, little unity. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and they're not really a big coalition because a lot of them don't aren't really fans of each other. Um, but no. I think they realize that that you know there there's a bigger uh, shark in the tank that they probably need to take care of. So you saw uh, Xi Jinping, uh, our glorious leader Xi Jinping, the magnanimous, yeah. uh, go over to Saudi Arabia in order to have talks with them. I think that happened last week, and I th- think that it, there's a chance that you're seeing global powers consolidating basically a plan to uh, make sure that they can get resources in the event that they get iced by the Davos group. So that so in this scenario, if you view it through this lens, um, I you would say that Russia and China, while in opposition to the American government, could perhaps be not necessarily quite as opposed to, let's just call it the Fed and crew, uh-huh. um, because they all see a much bigger enemy, and that is these Chinese oligarchs, or Chinese uh, European oligarchs. Now, keep in mind that a lot of these European oligarchs and Every other nation on earth have really bad blood. Now you could say, yes, America has bad blood with a lot of those countries too. But if you look at it through this lens and you say that Europe, Europe has still been puppeteering a lot of our geopolitical moves. And if those countries see that, well, that kind of puts a lot of our bad actions back into Europe's court. And uh, so, you know, obviously uh, China got absolutely effed by the British empire for a while. India got effed by the British empire, the British empire uh, and French and a couple others have been trying to destroy Russia for, you know, at, you know, time immemorial. Um, and which is, it's no secret. I don't think that that was a part of the reason that Hitler was funded was to go try and take out Russia. Um, that kind of backfired. But um, so I don't know. It's, it's a really interesting way of looking at it. And I have been grasping at, uh, straw is trying to figure out why the Fed continues to hike rates. Well, well, when they they hike rates by a process of international economics, they're really kneecapping the European Central Bank. And uh, you've noticed that the dollar is is at parity with the euro, um, and the euro is on its is tr- is trending down against the dollar. Explain um, to me the, the the what is the why not just shake hands. I don't understand why not. Why not? Why don't these two groups shake hands uh, yeah. against uh, uh, the other, which would become half uh, the BRICS nations? Why don't they shake hands? Who the Fed? Yeah, I don't know that they haven't. I mean, you couldn't do it openly. Uh, well, I mean that that whole sphere, of the world, the the I don't know what we the Western world. Mm-hmm. You can't do that openly. No. They all you oh, all right. So I mean, they're they're united against things constantly. Who China and America? No, no, I'm talking about America and the eurozone. Well, I think that they they have shaken hands. The American government they have 
has shaken hands with the government, the, the eurozone. The, the 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 but the Fed is sees the writing on the wall and knows that it is on its way out. It functionally ceases to exist if the Davos Group is able to enact its will and and create like a global you know um, central bank digital currency. What is this? What is what are the blockers for them to do something like that? Because you could throw together a. They've got the engineering to do this, right? So yeah, why I haven't mean, they, they made this move? Um, I don't think it was ready yet. I think that they're they're just way behind, and I, I've thought that for a while. I just don't think they have the infrastructure in, in place. I mean, it would take quite a bit um, to do this, and I just if only don't they had the vigor when that they had when they were opening up like getting people to have passport apps. Well, uh, for I think that, I think that was part of it, and I think that I think that they got caught test with run. Yeah, I think so. What he would say, what Tom Luongo would say, I or I hope this is, I, I hope I'm not misquoting him or, or mischaracterizing what he w- would say, was that the Fed was actually hiking rates in 2017, 2018. You might remember the taper tantrum, uh, as mm. it was, um, and, and reducing its balance sheet and trying to get its house in order, especially relative to Europe back in in the years right before covid and then covid happened and they were forced to expand the balance sheet and and um you know issue helicopter money i mean you know really um uh engage in in i don't want to say unprecedented although the the stim checks were pretty unprecedented but um in in pretty wild monetary like like um monetary policy behavior so what you could say uh, you know one lens to view it through would be that they panicked the Davos group and whoever is in league with them panicked and released this virus as a means to stop the fed from bucking. (laughs) And then, Uh. and, but they, but the things weren't ready yet. Like, which kind of makes sense because they didn't get any of it passed. Like we don't have vaccine passports. We don't have CBDCs. They had this major crisis and they had everybody in this freaking country walking lockstep with whatever they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they weren't able to really do anything, uh, at all. Like functionally nothing happened. I mean, I don't want to say that, you know, like obviously people were forced to take vaccines and stuff like that, but in terms of any sort of infrastructure for a new, like new world order move, they, they weren't able to accomplish any of it. And I think that they're now, or what he might say is that they are now kind of on their heels and saying, oh shit, like we, we, uh, we threw this out there and we didn't get anything for it. And now yeah. the fed knows that and they're hiking rates and putting the ECB in a really, really difficult position. Um, mm. at the same time that Europe, like inflation is bad here. It's 10 times worse in Europe. Yeah, here. Not, not <laughs> yeah. only that, but they're in a, they're in for a massive energy crisis. I mean, Look, it's it's easy to like be doomsayer and just predict the worst. Um, but the energy crisis that they could be marching towards this winter, particularly in Germany, which is the economic powerhouse of the eurozone, is really wild. I mean, it is hell yeah disaster. <laughs> um, and not only that, but they get their oil from Russia, so Russia has hand right. Um, if China can pull Saudi Arabia. Over to their side, and uh, you know, uh, and or or I got at least, some news on that. Okay, 
I'd be interested to hear it. Anyway, does does all that kind of make sense? Because I've been yes. trying to think through this and I've been listening to his episodes. And again, he's kind of got a frantic style that's difficult to follow at times. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that what he's framing is that there is there's just a lot of global historical bad blood and a lot of it is directed at Europe. And we often think of ourselves as the bad guys and certainly we are, but I think a lot of the bigger players who understand the history know that that was that we were just being puppeteered by British oligarchs to participate in those things perhaps. And uh, there are uh, alliances being formed against these European institutions. So, okay. I guess the only thing that I can add to that. Uh, is just today I was reading that Saudi Arabia is currently talking. Um, how should I say this? Uh, t- to a point to get OPEC to produce less oil. Yeah. Now, Asia and specifically China's huge oil refinery uh, businesses uh, mm-hmm. in these countries. So, um, this is going to be an economic hit to them. But like Saudi Arabia, I believe the leaders of Saudi Arabia know that um, the they got to start getting on the good side of the Western world. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, they are going to be politically, economically stranded uh, with dying industries of oil that isn't being used anymore. So they themselves have announced uh, there are projects and intentions to, to, uh, to bring about new production of electric vehicle critical battery materials this is uh, China? from coming out of the region. No, this is Saudi Arabia. Oh, that's interesting. So besides Saudi Arabia cutting oil to the refineries in China, they're now saying, hey, basically signaling we're going to get out of the oil market and we're going to move into the electric vehicle battery market. So the lithium production and they're talking about the critical materials, the production of those critical materials, just like they produce oil. Um, They're talking about pulling lithium out of the ground and this is their next move. So isolating uh, the BRICS nations further. Uh, Saudi Arabia has always been on our side, uh, even when they (laughs) even when they worked with Bush uh, that one time, Uh, (laughs) they've basically always been on our side. and, And what they're trying to do is. Be like, sorry about Jamal Khashoggi. Uh, we're still your friends. Please don't, you know, please don't leave us stranded by running away from our oil. And everybody is doing that anyway. But they're they're getting with the program now. So Saudi Arabia will will never get away from them. Um, they will haunt us forever. But it is going to be a part of this big economic war that's coming too. So I don't think Saudi Arabia and China are in one another's good graces. I actually think China is. I actually think Saudi Arabia is turning around and going, "These Americans, uh, we kind of dug a trench with them, so we might as well stick in." I I think that could be the case, but I would also say that there's what is announced, and then there's what's talked about in back rooms, sure. and you the, this all could be jockeying for position. You know, anytime you assemble a team, whether it's a professional team like in a company or or a, a sports team there's always jockeying volleyball to figure team. out the, the, the volleyball team there's jockeying to figure out the pecking order and uh i i wouldn't be shocked to see if there is jockeying going on between these um between these parties to say yeah well you know if we're gonna do this like you better understand our importance um 
So we're you know. still an economic. We're still the world's economic powerhouse. Car. We have a lot of software sales companies. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. You know. So I don't want all this cynicism. But, but from again. You. But again. You know. In this scenario, you have to almost split America. There's the America that's making deals with the Davos Group, and that includes probably most of the federal government. And then there's the making commercial deals. banks and the Fed. So yeah. those are two different two different entities. And at the end of the day, the Fed, you know, kind of controls the money supply, although, you know, the Congress can combat that. And I think that's part of what's happening. I, I think part of what's happening with Congress passing these insane spending bills is forcing the Fed to monetize it to combat them raising rates and then also looting the treasury and sending it to Europe via Ukraine. I think that Man. those two things uh, are support this theory of the the Fed has the the sorry the federal government um, has been more or less captured, which shouldn't be terribly shocking um, after especially after COVID, but um, has ha, has been captured and is a subsidiary of kind of the Davos Group, and they're just looting and also trying to weaken the monetary policy of the United States via uh, passing congressional spending bills that the Fed then has to monetize. <laughs> that is. Uh... It's That's pretty awesome. wild. It's pretty yeah, fucking it's awesome, metal. Dude. It is metal. It's, it, it's awesome, man. I this kind of war- warfare is so incredible. Yeah, uh, to be watching it real time. Um, it's a so, shame that the good guys probably aren't going to win this round. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> here's the thing: is there aren't really any good guys in this scenario. Yeah, but you're right. Um, I, I think that each it, it we get a we get a new data point every what two months when the fed um releases new monetary policy so uh, i can't remember if it's september mid-september every time every time around the time little mall comes around there's always a fed policy or there's a fed policy time. update yeah <laughs> um so that you know that's um that you know in september we'll see do they raise rates again yeah. i assume they will and if they yes. do i mean it's certainly a feather in the cap of uh this this uh, theory it's not it definitely doesn't prove it but it, it's well I heard that I heard somebody was talking about they were he, he was think they were considering lowering rates, but I don't remember the reasoning as to why. Do you? Well, you, did you hear this? Yes. Oh, yeah. And it, I mean, it's 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 um, it, it, people were calling it the Fed the Fed pivot, and they you know the assumption has been that a lot of people assumed what I did was that they were going to raise rates to clear room to then lower rates, and okay. it just hasn't happened. And I think a lot of traditional Wall Street bulls just assume that the Fed is going to have easy monetary policy to fuel their assets. And mm. I, th- I think it's a little bit of hubris, and I think it's not understanding the game within the game. And just the Fed has always been there for Wall Street, so they just figure they always will be. And I don't think – I think there is something, whether whether this guy's got it all figured out or he's just – or even if he's got some of it figured out, I do – I am increasingly becoming convinced, forget all the other stuff – I am increasingly becoming convinced that it's the Fed versus the ECB. And I think that the Fed perceives, you know, they want to keep Wall Street happy to an extent. But at the end of the day, Wall Street can't destroy the Fed. The ECB can. And I think that they that they're that they're going to fight the existential threat before they appease their friends uh, because they want to exist. Huh. Okay. And so the markets are assuming, oh, yeah, well, the Fed's just going to you know, lower rates because the market's down. And, you know, they always lower rates yeah. when the market's down because they help us out. But what they're not seeing is the existential threat to the Fed you know, posed by the particular 
global situation right now. The and Davos, it could be that the yep. Fed just keeps jacking rates all the way through a recession, which would be uh, a yeah, really, I don't know. really wild time. I, I, they, I really think the intention is to do something like that. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's going to, and it's going to coincide with a reactionary leader. I mean, he's not super reactionary, but our boys, if, if he does get elected during a time of like real economic crisis, it's going to get weird. Culture's going to be very manipulable. Yeah, no, I, I don't think he can. I, if you believe this sort of scenario, I I don't know that he can, um, absent some, like, schisms, like some open schisms, like like literally looking at two separate governments kind of thing. Like, if, if, if this is all... If the Fed perceives... This, the, the we're looking doc- at, by the way, I'm sorry, but we're looking at two se- situations of multiple competing governments, like with these attorney generals, attorneys general, and like who don't prosecute cases. Wait, wait, there are there. We are looking at a, a scenario where there are competing governments already. What how, um, there? How so? Well, there are there are uh, attorney generals who attorneys general who don't enforce the law. They don't prosecute certain crimes. Uh-huh. Right, so that's they they've their agenda supersedes the rule, which the right, rule is right. the other government. And right. Trump did this. I mean, Trump's like basically could call plebiscites and just have the people go in and vote for things and pass laws that way. Like uh, I, we really are seeing competing maybe styles of governing uh, within the same like complex system, but like we are. And then there's states that don't follow the federal law. And right, like, yeah. I mean, we are seeing more notable versions of like Massachusetts legalizing weed in the nineties. Yeah. Like we're the, like, way more extreme versions now. Um, so I don't know how crazy it is for Trump to present a real problem to the establishment uh, or at least some aspect of the establishment. Let's, I mean, oh, having I, I absolutely see that as a, as a likely scenario. Oh, okay. okay. I'm just I'm what I'm saying is, and I don't I'm I'm not saying that I believe this. I'm saying if you look at this lens, if if the Fed is that scared of the Davos Group and the Davos Group has captured the federal government, and the Fed begins increasing rates and kneecapping the the Davos Group, things are going to get real dicey. And oh, yeah, th- that's going to be. The, and then if you have Trump coming in that it if the Davos groups beachhead in America is essentially whatever the federal government and Trump tries <laughs> to take that from them, that's going to be that's that's going to present issues. And there will be I'm, what I'm yeah. saying is that the path for him to do so will necessarily mean that some pretty um, jarring things need to happen along the way. And I don't know that that's out of the question. In fact, I think it's. I don't want to say likely, but it's it's definitely on the table. So, who are Trump's enemies? The Fed, the FBI. No, well, I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that the. I don't think that Trump and the Fed are enemies. I think Trump got pissed at the Fed because they were raising rates during his term. But he, you didn't don't under- think at this point he would dissolve them? No. Okay. Man, yeah. there's a lot of talk. Yeah, I, I don't. The MAGA think so. I think, movement wants dude, that. Well, sure, and and rightfully <laughs> so. I mean, for all the reasons that I want it, but at the, but you but the, the the Fed is a weapon for him to use, and sure. if he's being attacked, he's going to reach for a weapon, right? Yeah. So yeah. 
Fair. don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't think that would be in his interest. He should reach for the eighty-seven thousand new IRS agents who've been employed under his uh, <laughs> yes. regime. Yeah, that's like eighty-seven thousand weapons. Yeah, eighty-seven thousand weapons right there. So, that's right. Yeah. Man, I got a whole game. Are you? Do you want to play a game? What time? What kind of time you got? You got? Oh no, I got, was just stalling. We timed out, so so I didn't have to play the game. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. We can play. Fuck. All right. Well. <laughs> I spent a lot of time on this. I read you a book. Said, you, you, said, you said game, and I started sweating, so I was like, what can I talk about forever? Oh, uh, econo- <laughs> economic policies. It's a clever move, actually. I was yeah. looking at the time, and I'm like, oh, my God, where are we yeah. at here? Yeah, yeah, no game. Um, okay, Brian Stelter? Stetler? Let's figure out what the fuck the guy's name is. I didn't. I made a whole game. I read a book about the guy. Um, Stelter, yeah. I, thought, I keep thinking it was Stetler. It's Stelter. Helter Stelter. He's he's one of the most annoying people we know. And of course, somebody who's that annoying already has an autobiography about themselves. He's mm. 36 years old. Brian Stelter is 36. He's, he's yeah, Brian Stetler is 36 years old. Yeah. 36 years old. Um, so I read uh, his uh, autobiography, the name of which I will not be giving out, obviously, so you can't cheat. But I, I was like, holy shit, this exists. So I read it, and because he's departing from CNN, I figured let's like highlight the guy in a retrospective. Okay, right? Because he's a great guy, Brian Stelter. He's a great guy. So I learned a lot about the guy. Like I read, I'm telling you, dude. Did I skim? Yes, but I read his autobiography, and I know a lot about him. The thing that I learned about the guy, he's extremely self-deprecating. This is, I mean, this is a guy whose job, car camp it is to say things that aren't true. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah. he it's crazy how knowing how duplicitous he is, also how self-deprecating he is. Um and the biography talks about this. So I've got eight questions here. Uh four answers each obviously we'll read through them. Um just guess me your best and if you get it right, keep your number. I, I can't point track today. Um, and I'll tell you uh, the story behind the answer. Question number one, Car Camp. Uh, we're going to call this the Brian Stetler uh, send-off cruise quiz. We're going to okay. send him off with this because we'll probably never hear from him ever again, <laughs> dude. Ever again. Or maybe we will. Let's see. Question number one. Brian details a story about his high school career. He was as predictable as ever a member of his high school's Actors Guild. During his attendance, he took part in the school's stage adaptation of which famous cinematic masterpiece? Was it Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Pirates of the Caribbean, Ghostbusters, or Air Bud? Oh, God. Which one of these was he a star in? I'm going to go Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And you got that right. So that's Hell one yeah. point for you. He played Willy Wonka. And besides this, he mentions that he was known as, and this is s- sort of a quote, he was known as Chief Wonka for the rest of the year at the school. <laughs> okay. See, dope. Chief Wonka. You remember when we got on Airbud for like four episodes like three Dude, years ago? It was a great time. It was. Believe it or not. The fact is that Brian Stelter graduated early from grade school. He was a star 
child, really. He was a prodigy. Unfortunately, he had an educational growth spur where he fell behind, and he was basically set up for failure when unprepared for the advancement up a grade, he got an F in which class? Physical education, Spanish, Chinese, or social studies? I mean, the obvious one is physical education, so that means it shouldn't <laughs> be it. I'm going to go social studies. It was actually Spanish. Oh, man. I almost failed Spanish my senior year. Because he got brought up a grade, he was thrust into a language course a grade early. He wasn't ready. He never actually, by the way, I put physical education on there for a reason. Yeah, to lure me into it. He never actually took phys ed. Because he had a medical absence because he's diabetic. <laughs> yeah, he's diabetic and no word on if it was the genetic kind or the fat kind. <laughs> but he has he has it, dude. The fat kind. <laughs> I, I just imagine a doctor delivering that news to someone. Yeah, you're diabetic. <laughs> the fat kind. <laughs> well, I don't know what he's got, man. Anyway. And by the way, the Chinese bit was not for a cheap laugh. Um, question number three is Brian Stelter has spent lots of time in the great and magnolient nation of the People's Republic of China. You can imagine I was reading this. My eyes were wide open mm. while he never spent his grade school years there. So he didn't have check Chinese courses as a student. He spent seven months of his life overseas in Guangzhou a city of 16 million people. The reason was because his father, who's all, who is also named Brian, <laughs> had taken an extremely lucrative career in the city. What was his career? Massage therapist, early <laughs> software entrepreneur, basketball coach, or practical effects engineer? Practical effects engineer. <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> that, one, that one's just too insane not to be it. I mean, you weren't going to make that one up as a as a non-option. Practical effects engineer. His father worked on several, like you know, those kung fu type movies um, <laughs> with the practical effects stuff. So, number four. It was in the great nation of Chinese Republic of People China that Brian Stetler learned of a terrible allergy. He possessed an allergy so great, he described it as one of his most traumatic moments. And it involves a phlegmatic encounter with which of these uncommon allergens? Jogging. S silk. <laughs> silk, milk, krill, or dill. <laughs> Krill, krill. I'm going krill. It's milk. <laughs> Man, poetic justice. Aren't all the Chinese people like allergic to dairy? They are, dude. That's right. For some reason, he explains that um, he developed a chronic issue with lactose while he was in China. Krill or dill. <laughs> like he doesn't explain it in the book until a certain point, And then the issue comes up in a moment of self-deprecation where he's like talking about how he had to eat a sandwich with a boss. 
and it had cheese on it, but he had to eat it because it was like a thing. You have to partake in the meal <laughs> in China. He had, and to, he had to eat it because it, it was food and in front and, of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number five. Brian Stetler returned to the United States just before the start of his college career and attended the New School of New York City, which is a really progressive hotbed institution. Um, no doubt that's the place where Brian, that we came to know and love, uh, he came to form. He probably came on a lot of dudes also, but he came to form. And anyway, Brian was originally on track to complete a degree in American history, but he changed his mind early into his uh, college career in order to pursue what he describes as his budding passion. What major did Brian commit to? Chinese history philosophy, economics, or a degree in sniffing women's shoes. If it's economics, I'm going to flip a table over. <laughs> it's the Chinese one. It's not Chinese history, right? It's philosophy. That's right. He completed a four-year stint in philosophy. Talks about his joy being introduced to works by John Locke and Martin Luther King Jr. He actually graduated uh, a semester late because of matriculation issues. So he took a, one extra semester to graduate. Oh, number six. Number six. Brian has always been a political orbiter. At times, he's even considered running for a political office himself. But in order to do that, Brian knew he needed to dedicate a lot of time to learning the craft. So he volunteered for and served as an assistant booking coordinator under Michael Bloomberg, Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton, and Al Gore. Uh, Bloomberg. Bloomberg. You got that right. Hell yes. yeah. That's what I'm talking about right Michael there. Bloomberg. Stetler re recalls volunteering for Bloomberg at the suggestion of his grandmother. Uh, he Go didn't and volunteer the... for that young man. <laughs> he did not enjoy it very much because it was a very hot summer in New Brian, York. So he, he Brian, hung it up after you? four weeks. Why won't you go volunteer for that young man? <laughs> <laughs> Brian. He, uh, this is not a joke, okay? I actually wrote, this is not a joke. He recalls... me meeting Bloomberg for the first time and remarked that it was interesting that because he had never met a politician who was the same height as him. <laughs> it's a true story in the book, in the book, in the book, Are they like really short or tall or what? Uh, well, Michael Bloomberg is five foot one. Oh my Lord. <laughs> He's a diminutive little elf. Okay. Okay. Number seven. This one wasn't from the book. It was from a, an interview that I read uh, separately. Mr. Stelter has been able to travel the globe, obviously, many times in his CNN position and has tasted many a cuisine. Which cuisine? And now he has contradicted himself. So two of these answers are correct. Um, but which cuisine is his favorite? Chinese food, British food, Japanese food, or Bojangles? Japanese food. It is Japanese food. All right, there we go. But it's also Bojang. But it's also Bojang, dude. Cajun flavored <laughs> chicken biscuit combo, French fries, iced tea. <laughs> Carolina boy. Uh, indeed, it is Bojangles. Um, 
you did get it right with the Japanese food one because in a separate interview he was like, "Man, Japanese food is probably my favorite." Um, Next to Bojangles. He, but here's the Bojangles one, and this is a quote. I think I call myself a foodie. Like, I enjoy all the traveling and trying new things. It's a type of adventurousness, really. People always say, try this or have one of those, and it's always very exciting. But the foodies don't like me very much because I still haven't found a cuisine that I like as much as, you know, basically the Bojangles menu. <laughs> I mean, that's such a treat for me. Every that's... time I get a chance to go to Bojangles, I'm there. It's a spiritual comfort for me. I mean, it makes makes it difficult to hate the guy. It certainly does. It certainly does. And the final question, Carcambit, I don't know what your score is. Three? Four. Four, nice. Yes. Okay, well, this is a make or break then. Brian is, believe it or not, a pretty controversial guy. He seems uh, to frequently get into battles with other news commentators, specifically Tucker Carlson. Carlson, who refers to Brian Stetler as the eunuch because of his micropenis, recently went on. Can't <laughs> <laughs> slip that in there, dude. Recently <laughs> went on a tirade against Stetler, congratulate uh, celebrating his leaving CNN. Tucker referred to him as a, quote, stout little mischievous goblin who steals candy from kids. But rooting around in the, in, the, in, the, in the bucket on Halloween. Nah, not the milk dud. <laughs> Just leaving all the milk duds for everybody. I feel like he would love a milk dud. Yeah, on, a, on a morning discussion panel with Stetler, Stetler responded to Tucker's injurious comments, so please fill in the blank. He said, Carlson can go on and on about me being a little candy-stealing goblin, which is childish, but... Number one, he reminds me, he reminds me of the Christmas Grinch. This is exactly why Fox has the reputation it does. I don't actually even enjoy candy. Or in a way, he has a point. <laughs> oh, no. It cannot be that last one. It cannot. It cannot be that last one. What was the first one? He reminds me of the Christmas Grinch. I gotta go with that. It's actually... I actually don't even like candy. <laughs> A cutting response. Stetler denied a love of candy to defend himself from the insult. Pretty pathetic. Wow. If you ask me. Yeah. So what'd you get? Four? Yeah, I got four. 50%. Well, I have some surprising news for you. Everything in honor of Brian Stetler being like basically the king of fake news. Not one thing that you heard was true. There's no book that exists about him. Uh, and none of those facts were true. So that's my, that is my tribute to you, Brian. The wow. king of fake news forever. Love you, buddy. Wow. Uh, take us out, Car. All right. Well, I guess with that, I'm going to do some more reading up on this uh, Davos group stuff. I'm going to recover from what the hell just happened. And until next week, keep two hands on the wheel. You failed a fake game, Car. Squaw. Squaw.